Blog Talk Radio. It's Sunday evening, and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brining and Jeremy Dunn. They'll be taking your calls and speaking on the topic of the week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Happy Valentine's Day. Today is Sunday, February 14th. Um, it was a great day today. Uh, Valentine's Day is a day that is a bit commercialized, I think, um, but um, a lot of people enjoy it and they like to spend time with their sweethearts, and um, we appreciate you spending time with us this evening. Um, we have a great guest. I'm still waiting uh, for Jeremy to give us a call into the system. Uh, it looks like he's a little late today. Hopefully he didn't have too much to drink earlier today when he was out with Mark. Um, but I want to thank you all for the first-time listeners who are in there now, all the guests that are listening, you're more than welcome to uh, join Blog Talk Radio uh, and allow you to create a username so you can chat inside um, with the rest of us here in the chat room and you're able to uh, type in questions for us to ask either our guests or you may ask us or, you know, just in general, maybe a topic you want us to discuss. Um, looks like Jeremy is late today, so um, we'll move on without him. <laughs> That's how it works. Keep my eye open for him. Say hi to David in the chat room and Jeremy. They're the only two names that I do see um, in the chat room. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, just a reminder, everybody, that uh, Pause I Am Radio is a medium that we use to connect uh, the members of our social network, um, Pause I Am, and you can find information on that at pauseim.com. And now please help me welcome Jeremy. Welcome to the show. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> I'm so sorry I'm late. Uh, I figured you maybe had a little bit to drink and stuff. Oh my God! It's Mark. <laughs> he had too much to drink. Oh no! Uh, oh my God! Can I just tell you? Yes, go ahead. Not only did he pass out, but he threw up all over the rug. Oh no! And I'm 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 cleaning it up. And I'm, like, looking at the clock going, oh, shit. I have to jump <laughs> on the call. Oh, my God. That's oh. funny. Oh, Lord. And then I, I had to get him undressed, throw him in the, di- in, in, the, in the tub, and say, okay, it's okay. And he goes, I'm so sorry. And he's, like, so drunk. He goes, I'm so sorry. I don't well, What did you do? do? Like, What's that? What did you guys do today? Nothing. We went to a bar downstairs, and he stayed there while I went and got the dog and walked her a little bit. And he drank, and he drank, and he drank. Oh, oh no. I know. It's like, oh, Lord. So I'm <laughs> the poor guy. He's all thrown up all over the place, and he's going to be so thrilled that I, like, talked about it on the radio. Oh, well, no big deal. <laughs> oh, my God. But, oh, holy smokes. Oh. So how was your uh, your week off last week? It was good. It was good. Oh, golly. Oh, just so much going on these days. So much going on. Um, and uh, it probably, as everybody knows, that uh, who have been following, my, following me on Facebook, on Facebook and um, and, and Twitter. such, and Twitter, yes, thank you. They probably know that um, the ADAP program here in North Carolina has been frozen. So, so now um, explain that for people who don't know what ADAP is. ADAP is the AIDS Drugs Assistance Program, and it's a government-funded program that... Um, helps people who otherwise could not afford HIV medications afford them and, and pay for them. And, uh, and as of last week, or the week before last, I should say, uh, they have frozen all enrollments. So anybody new to the program is not eligible 
for for ADAP assistance. So it, it's it's a problem here in North Carolina, and um, and the governor and uh, the and and I, and I know I promised a a post update or an updated post to uh, the blog, and. Um, the issue is is that uh, the the governor. So let me see if I can break this down in like thirty seconds or less. <laughs> too late. <laughs> um, so the 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 issue is is this. So the budget came down from the governor in August, and they had taken two million dollars out of ADAP, all right? So the General Assembly here in North Carolina said, okay, well, we can take out another million, which equals to $3 million. So they took out $3 million out of ADAP. Then the governor came back after all of this came out. The governor came back and said, okay, Department of Health and Human Services, we want you to take 5% out of your budget. And so DHHS, Department of Health and Human Services, took out an additional $4 million out of their budget and took it out of the ADAP program, which reduced the ADAP program from $3 million to $7 million. They did not take it out out of any other program. That's crazy. Now, North Carolina isn't the only one with the waiting list, right? Because um, if I remember correctly, Gab uh, posted a blog up on uh, Paz.im on his blog there um, about, you know, with the states that all have, um, you know, individuals on the waiting list to get it. And, you know, just to give a rundown real quick, I have uh, Arkansas has 13 people on a list. Idaho has seven. Iowa has 47. Kentucky has 157 people waiting to get aid medication. Montana has 16. Nebraska has 24. North Carolina has 55 people. South Dakota, 24. Tennessee and Utah both have 64 people. And then Wyoming has 14. So that's a lot. You know, there's a lot of people who, who need this. That, that, that is a tremendous amount of people. And here in North Carolina, there are 23,000 people who are HIV positive. All right. Twenty percent of that twenty-three thousand, which is for about four thousand four hundred people, are on ADAP. Twenty percent. Wow. So if you think about that, and you think about twenty percent of the HIV-positive folks who are not able to get to ADAP will not be able to get drugs. It is crazy. So I have been on a letter writing campaign. I have been calling people. You have no idea what I have been doing here in North Carolina. (laughs) Well, that's a good good thing to know. And what you can do is while I'm about to bring Brian on, our guest, since he's sitting here on hold. And um, while I'm doing that, if you can fumble through your stuff and see if maybe you can find the information that you can share for people to call, you know, the people in North Carolina to help you with that. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah. Just fumble around. If you find it, you find it. <laughs> call the North, um, call the governor's office here in North Carolina, and, and, and I will get that um, email here in a second. But they, they it, it's funny because North Carolina, um, the, North, the, the governor sent me the same exact message, I mean word for word, that the secretary did. So right. I, I I actually sent a note back to the governor's office and said, you know what, I'm tired of all of this. I'm I'm tired of the political responses, the political correctness. It's the same exact canned message that I got from the secretary's office. What are you going to do about it? So hopefully um, I, I'm putting them on task. And uh, if I don't hear anything back by Tuesday, I'm going to the media. Well, there you so, go. Expect me to be on um, <laughs> the news channels here in the next few days. <laughs> You'll see me, and yeah. Well, that's it, I mean, this is yeah. It, it's the only. This is the only health and human services program 
that it really literally is life and death versus the mental health programs and and other programs that they've that they've decided to cut that this one is exactly life and death that's true. So uh, we'll touch back on that a little bit later at the end yeah. of the show. But uh, just for people who are listening for the first time, you're more than welcome to call into the show. But right now, uh, we're going to have Brian come on our guest, and we're going to talk to him for a little bit, and we'll open the lines for calls. So um, when we announce the phone number, you guys can call in. I just saw the question um, in the chat room. So I want to go ahead and welcome uh, Brian to the show. Brian, welcome um, to Pause I Am Radio. Hey, how are you guys doing? Good, how are you? How are you? I'm good. Can y'all hear me okay? Yeah, real good. Wow. I can't believe I'm talking to you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm excited to have you on, Brian. You know, you're uh, you're doing a lot of great things on the site, and, um, you know, and and you may not even realize what you're doing. Maybe you're just being yourself, but you do a lot of great things with the the different things that you do on the site, which we'll get to later on. First, I just want to talk a little bit about, tell us where you were born and raised and kind of like where you grew up and how, you know, how you were raised and things like that, and then we'll, you know, move on down the line. Okay. Um, actually, I was born in Stanton, Virginia, and it was pretty much a, a Christian Baptist household, and we specifically moved to Lynchburg, Virginia, just to be a part of Jerry Falwell and his ministry program. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I could go to school there and, you know, just be in that environment. Um, It was very difficult because, you know, even as a young child, you know, a lot of us knew we were gay at that point in time. But, you know, you're you're taught in that environment that, you know, you're going to die and burn in hell. So, of course, you know, ever since I was taught that, I was always, trying to fight against it. Um, But anyway, we moved down here to Lynchburg, and, you know, the school was okay and everything. You know, I mean, y'all can only imagine the the environment that I was in, you know, and it was a good environment, but you're always taught, of course, you know, what I knew, what I was, was wrong. So um, anyway, time went on. You try to, you know, do what you're what you're taught. So I had a girlfriend. She ended up getting pregnant in our senior year of high school. So we, of course, did what, quote, unquote, we thought was the right thing. We got married, had a child, um, ended up, actually, we were married for three years, had two children all together, and then, of course, you know, we divorced. Mainly the reason was because we just couldn't get along. I mean, we fought like cats and dogs. But, of course, internally, you know, I was fighting the feelings of me wanting to be who I was also, which might have led to some of the fighting. But So you inside, know, you knew, um, inside you knew that you were gay, but you didn't acknowledge it or you kind of didn't come out because of, you know, you were born and raised, you know, in a Christian background and things like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're taught every day. I mean, you know, you have Bible class every day, chapel on Tuesdays and Thursdays, church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you know, all that stuff, you know, and you're bombarded with this information. Of course, you know, picking and choosing, you know, what I realize now out of the Bible, being told that, you know, homosexuals are, you know, going to burn in hell and they're just... uh evil of the world and all this stuff, you know, that type of thing, you know. So, you know, you you fight against that. Uh, But anyway, you know, we ended up having two children together. And I really, I think I would have tried to stick it out even longer, even though I was fighting those feelings, if her and I had gotten along better. But, you know, eventually, you know, it just didn't work out. We We just didn't get along. Right. So um, that's how I was raised, you know, was just to go by the Bible and pray about things. And, you know, everything was in that Southern Baptist Christian, you know, atmosphere. And so so that's basically where my background comes from, you know, with the... That's got to be tough. It's very hard, you know, and 
now that I'm out in the world, you know, of course, you know, I've slowly, I would say in the last 10 years, I've slowly come to realize the difference between being spiritual, uh, what the difference is between spirituality and religion. I, I never understood the difference between those two, and I do now. Um, you know, I think organized religion can do a lot more harm than it can good. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's it's definitely, you know, put a, um, you know, as a young child, you're taught all these things, and you know how you feel inside, so you're fighting all that. And, you know, it makes it rough. It makes it really hard. Yeah, it does. I, was, I went to um, Catholic grade school and high school. So, you know, I was taught the same things. I was going to burn in hell and all those good things for, for who I was and all that. But like you said, just like recently for me, too, it's when I met my So I would say like the last five years where I realized that there was a really big difference between being religious and spiritual. And like you said, like for me, like I don't, you know, criticize anybody for being religious. If you want to do that, that's on you. Just don't push right. it on me. <laughs> don't come knocking right. on my door with your pamphlets. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and a lot of people probably laugh when I even talk about being spiritual because, you know, I'm pretty much a uh, tell it like it is, you know, and I'll just tell you all now, I'm going to try not to cuss while we're on here, but, you know, know, most people would never believe that, you know, I was religious or spiritual or I was even raised in that background because, you know, as I've grown up and had to face adversities and stuff, I've just learned just to tell people how it is, and if they like it, they like it, and if they don't, they don't. You know, I just don't care. So, you know, um, it's it's really been an, an evolution for me through the marriage and the kids and, you know, the HIV and everything to really come to terms with, like you said, the difference between spirituality, you know, and religion, and you've got to pretty much come to terms with God on your own level instead of, you know, the level that a preacher stands up on a pulpit and tells you the way it should be, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but that's pretty much my background. You know, I grew up with that type of mentality and had to fight it for a long, long time. So, but uh, so- anyway, we got divorced. I pretty much lived a gay lifestyle for about seven or eight years after that. Um, everybody pretty much knew, except for my family and um, and my kids. Of course, they were they were young, but and my kids have always been a very important part of my life. But this was a, probably in '91, '92 when I was, you know, just getting out into the gay lifestyle. So that's when AIDS, you know, was just, you know, the gay cancer and hitting big time. And I would see it on the news, but, you know, to me it was always something that was on the news, you know. And I would hear about people in town, around town, you know, this person has it, that person has it, but it was always something foreign to me. It was just something that I just never imagined would even happen to me, you know. It was just something that happened to everybody else. So, you know, those seven or eight years, you know, I lived a gay lifestyle and dated and had a couple of serious relationships and never really came across HIV on a personal level, you know, that much. Um, mm-hmm. Then I got I got pretty down, you know, you know, when you want a certain type of relationship with someone and, you know, say a monogamous relationship. And a lot of times, especially when you're younger, it seems like you can't find that. Um, so I met this woman and, I mean, and I'll say now it's going to be kind of confusing, but I'm not bisexual. I do consider myself gay. A lot of people don't understand that. My ex-boyfriend and I would argue about this all the time, but I don't consider myself bisexual, but I met this other woman at work and, you know, she was an attractive woman, easy to get along with. She knew my deal from the very beginning uh, about as far as being gay. I mean, we would even go out to the gay clubs together, just so open-minded and accepting. And I knew she was interested in me, and we got along so great. So I sat her down, and we talked about it one night. And I really thought when I just laid it out on the line 
we would just be friends, you know, but she was still interested in having a relationship. So we gave it a try. We ended up getting married. We had one child together. That lasted about five years, you know, and then I realized it just got harder and harder. So, you know, I just, you know, and things were getting bad between us, and we just had a talk. And things ended very civilly, and she's actually still one of my closest best friends, you know, to this day. Me and my ex-boyfriend, so she got married about two years ago. Me and my kids and my ex-boyfriend, we all went to her wedding and, and everything. I mean, she's just a wonderful, awesome, you know, accepting person. You know, that's what, you know, attracted me to her. But, um, you know, so, of course, since then, you know, I've just pretty much, you know, accepted the fact that this is me, this is who I am. I quit fighting what I was taught, you know, growing up all those years. And, you know, this is me, take it or leave it, you know. So you have three kids? I have three kids. Uh, my oldest son is 21, and he's a Marine. Uh, my daughter is 19, and we just found out that she's expecting her first child. And my youngest son, he he just turned 10. We just celebrated his 10th birthday a couple of days ago. So, I mean, and they're all great and awesome kids, you know. They all know about me being gay. Um, I couldn't ask for better kids. I mean, they're like my best friends, you know. My son, he came in, my oldest son, he came in for my youngest son's birthday and for Valentine's Day. He's stationed in um, North Carolina, Camp Lejeune. But he came in, and we we just hung out, just the two of us, you know. Uh, let's see, last night we had dinner together. Went and saw a movie together, you know, and he even was concerned and was asking me about my, you know, recent breakup with my boyfriend. And, I mean, I just, I, I couldn't ask for three better, beautiful kids. I've really been blessed. I really have. So um, do they know about, and besides you being gay, um, right. what do they think about your HIV status? Well, that's the uh, that's the problem. I haven't I haven't told them and I haven't told my family. There's only a few friends that I've told openly. You know, I don't know if they suspect anything, you know, because I have pause I am all over my my computer. So of course, you know <laughs> they <laughs> you know, that's like the main site I go on now, but you know, so they use the computer if even if they suspect anything, you know, and seeing his girlfriend, his fiance, my oldest son, she's studying to be a nurse. So I don't know. They might have seen my medications. You know, I, I'm not sure. But even if they have suspected anything, they haven't asked. Um, it's something that I really struggle with as a parent, you know, because raising your kids, you know, I was always, even with my the rest of my family, I was always, you know, there's always one person. I was always a stronghold, the one person everybody comes to for advice, the one person that holds the family together. And I was always that person, especially for my kids. So teaching them, you know, especially my older two kids, to always be safe, to use protection, you know. And I used to tell my son all the time, you know, I say, you know, getting somebody pregnant is the least of your worries. I said, there are things out there, you know, that can kill you. So it's almost, I really struggle with it as a parent because here I am preaching, 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 and he's done so well, you know, and here I am not practicing what I preach and in the predicament that I'm in, you know, and I don't want to appear to be weak or not follow, you know, what I've preached to them for so long, you know. I, I don't want to be a bad example, but at the same time, you know, you don't want to lie to them either. So I, you know, I was just diagnosed in May of last year, so it's really been, it's really been a problem, you know. I, it's really something that I struggle with, you know. And eventually, I'm sure, yeah, I, I mean, sure, I'm, Eventually, you know, I'm sure we'll have that talk, but, you know, I'm doing okay right now. I'm a lot better health-wise, 
you know, so it's almost like you want to protect your kids from any harm or discomfort, and I just, I can't just, I can't put that on them right now. I don't want to cause them that necessary stress and worry right now. So you really haven't told them? No. Um, So what do you do when they ask? what's going on in your life? Well, you know, I pretty much, you know, like I said, I've always been the strong one. So I think they view me as, you know, well, dad's just a hardworking, responsible guy, you know, and if they ask, you know, and I have like a bunch of vitamins and supplements and stuff I take, so, and it's kind of silly, but, you know, I got, like, all my meds up in the cabinet drawer, and then I put all my supplements and stuff in front of that. So they're used to seeing me taking all kinds of, you know, like multivitamins, or I might try one supplement this month or a different supplement, you know, the next month. They're used, they they know I'm into health and fitness and trying different supplements at different times. So it's not unusual for me to have different kind of pills or vitamins or whatever around the house so they're used to seeing me taking stuff um so i really i mean they haven't asked you know i had some complications um last summer after my diagnosis you know and my oldest son came to me and he asked if i was okay and like i said it's really a it's really a struggle because you're supposed to be the parent and the stronghold and to keep everybody safe, and you don't want to appear to be weak or, you know, cause them that stress or worry, you know. And it's really, it's something that I struggle with every day, you know, because it's almost like I want to tell them in case something happens and they know, but at the same time, I don't want them to be disappointed in me, and I don't want them to see me as weak or vulnerable, you know, because I've never been that way to them. So it's it's something that I really struggle with internally and it's really it's really difficult. It really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember we had um uh Jeremy, I think you were hosting with me that night, um Henry on, Henry Baca. Uh-huh. And uh he's a member of Pazam and he came on and he was talking about um his story and, you know, how he was a parent and how, what it was like to be HIV positive, and he, you know, disclosed to his kids, but he's been positive for, um, you know, a while now, I believe over 10 years. And um, so, so he had that time to let it sink in himself and, and come, you know, acknowledge it and, and accept it himself and then move on to his kids, which is a process. So, uh, you know, I, I, have, I have a feeling eventually you will. It's just that process. It's still new to you, this diagnosis. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty new. I- I've always been the type to, you know, when something comes up in my life personally, a struggle like this, um, I've always been the type, I guess I'm like like a, uh, I don't know what you call it. I just zoom in on it, tackle it, conquer it, and boom, it's done. It's over, you know. And that's pretty much what I've tried to do with this. And even though it's something that I know I'm going to have to live with the rest of my life, you know, I've there's a part of me that feels like, well, once I, you know, and I'm getting to that point now where I can talk more about it and be more open about it, you know. Um, but once I know, you know, in my heart that I know I'm going to be okay and there's not going to be any problems and I don't have to really cause them any worry, you know, where I can sit them down and say, look, this is, you know, my situation, but you don't have to worry I'm fine, you know, I'm working out, these are my numbers, blah, 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 explain that to them, you know, so they'll have the initial shock of it, but I'll also be able to educate them and let them know, you know what, dad's going to be okay, so I don't need to worry, but I'd like for my numbers to be just a little bit better before I actually have that talk, you know, with them. Right. So, what do you, you think know, they'll if, say when they find out? Well, I'll give you an example. I, I, you know, we, we always talk about, you know, as this being a coming out process, like like when you're gay, 
um, when my second wife and I decided to divorce, of course, you know, she knew I was gay even before we got married. So when I came to her and I told her I just can't do this anymore, it wasn't a shock to her. She knew exactly why. Um, And it was emotional. But, you know, and I told her then, you know, my son, he had left his mother's house and he had come to live with us. You know, he came to live with me. He was 15, I think, at the time. And I told her, I said, and um, I said, I'm going to tell the kids too. And I tell you, you know, you can tell... Your family, you know, your parents is hard. You know, that's a, that's hard to tell your parents because you don't want to be a disappointment. You can tell your friends, you know, some of them you can take it or leave it. But when you have children, you know, to tell them something like that and not know how they're going to react, it, it's extremely scary. And, I, I mean, I'll be honest, I was terrified. So... I picked him up from school that day, and I decided this is the day that I'm going to tell him that I'm gay. So, And it was kind of funny, actually, because we're riding down the road in the car, and this just shows you how different schools are nowadays. And, you know, we have a pretty good relationship. And he's like, Dad, you know, because I was trying to think, how am I going to tell him? You know, I don't know what he's going to say. He said, Dad, you're not going to believe what happened to school today. And I said, what? He said, two lesbians got in a fight at school. I said, <laughs> I said, you know, and he was in high school, and this is a pretty rural area, backwoods country, you know. I said, how do you know? I said, how do you know they're lesbians? He says, well, they walk around and hold hands. He goes, everybody knows. He goes, it's no big deal. And I said, thank you, Lord Jesus. I said, wow. this is my, you know, this is my lead, you know, my way in or whatever. I said, well, I said, I've got something to tell you. So I told him, and by the time we got home, you know, of course, he was in shock. Um, but I tell you, it was really a, a breakthrough in our relationship because I think I was more upset than he was. And I asked him, I said, are you going to be okay with this? And I was crying. And he looked at me, and, you know, he's taller than me. I mean, he's about 6'2". I'm 5'10". And it's so funny because... He just came to me and wrapped his arms around me, and he said, you're my daddy. He said, I love you. You know, and I just, you know, so I I try to think of that as an example, you know. uh, You know, like I said, I've been blessed with three beautiful, wonderful kids, and I think they'll be okay with it, you know. But like I said, I want to be able to tell them this is my situation, but, you don't need to worry. I'm going to be fine, you know. So you you haven't told them yet that you're HIV positive? No, I haven't told them the HIV part. Okay. So are you, are you afraid that they might be listening right now? No. No, they don't. No, I, I don't think that. I mean, I'll tell you, and this is Jeremy, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. This is kind of my philosophy on things or whatever, and this is kind of how it was when I left my first wife. And and this is kind of my carefree attitude. It's almost like damn if you do and damn if you don't. You know, I'm just like going to live my life, you know, and if it comes up, then, you know, yeah, here it is. You know, before I, you know, if it comes up and I have to tell you, you know, when you find out, then, yeah, we'll have to talk about it, you know. But I can't stop living my life, you know. And it was a struggle because Robert had asked me to do the interview, and I was working so much at the time, and I really had to struggle to do it because I don't know who's listening to this, you know. But um, I've really been blessed, on the other hand, of having three or four best friends that I've known for 15 to 20 years. And they were one of the first ones that I told when I found out my status, and they've really been through this with me day by day. And I asked them what they thought, and they were all for it. They're like, you know what, no matter what happens, if your kids find out, whatever, you know they're going to love you regardless. You know, they said just go with it because you never know, telling your story, you might be able to help somebody else. And I look at you, Robert, and you, Jeremy, the things that you do and you accomplish – you know, so it's 
the least that I can do is come on and tell my little rinky-dink story, you know, <laughs> and and try to, you know, maybe inspire or help anyone. You know, that's the least that I can do. And if they happen to hear it or whatever, then so be it. Then maybe that's what has to happen to bring it up, you know. But I, I had to weigh my options of them finding out versus, trying to help others. Like I said, I got Pause I Am all over my computer. All they have to do is click on the site and my my profile pops right up. So you how know. do you think that conversation is going to go? Well, it's definitely going to be an education process because, uh, I mean, I'll be honest, you know, living a gay lifestyle, which I'm sure most of us, you know, we we were around it, you know, but pretty much all I knew what was on TV. You know, and, you know, and you, of course, you know, everybody talks about watching Philadelphia, you know, of course, you know, I think that goes through all of our minds now as soon as we hear, oh, you're positive, and you picture Tom Hanks sitting mm-hmm. there in the courtroom passing out into the floor, you know, and you think that's going to be me. Yeah, um, that or, or you think of Pedro. Yeah, Pedro, yeah. So, I, I mean, it's definitely going to be an education process, you know, I was thinking the other day, how am I going to do this? And I even thought about just having my whole family over, like for a reunion one day, and just telling everybody together. And <laughs> you know, sorry, and I, let I, everyone... I, 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 I see all of a sudden. Hey, everybody, welcome to the family reunion. By the way, yeah. I'm positive. <laughs> yeah, you want some phone. sweet tea and yeah. oh, by the way, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. So. You know, that way, you know, just everybody can get their feelings and emotions out. But at the same time, you know, I can sit down and say, but look, this is the way it really is. It's not like it was in the 80s. You know, it's not like what you've seen on TV, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And I can sit down and explain it to them, you know, and I can be an example of, I mean, damn, I mean, my Bible load just in May was 400,000 and, by February, just a couple of days ago, I'm undetectable now. Wow, congratulations. So, I mean, that just goes to show you the the advancements that, you know, the medicines and everything that we have now is just incredible. Yeah, they're talking in the chat room here. They're saying, uh, did you ever see the movie, the movie It's My Party? Oh, my Brian? God, yes. That's what they're saying about having the party and having everybody over. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. You know, when how did you find Pause I Am first? That's what the one thing I wanted to ask you is how did you discover the site? Well, I'm going to tell you, I was on a site um, called Real Jock, and it's been a, one of my favorite sites, uh, the gay fitness site. And that was actually, I, I have a lot of friends on there, and I've met a lot of great guys. I had just found out that uh, my diagnosis, um, I think it was maybe three or four weeks afterwards, and I was coming to terms with everything. And I've always been the type, I used to write poetry a lot and everything uh, when I was younger, when I was going through struggles and stuff. And I thought, well, you know, what better way to try to get some of this out, you know, to vent other than with my friends than, to just put it out on the site and see what happens and see how people are going to react to me. So I put a post on there on one of the forums, and I just put, I am positive, and I just told my story on there, and the response was just overwhelming, the support and love and everything from everyone. But as soon as I did that, uh, one of the people that contacted me was uh, Nate, what's his name, Carfield? Yeah. Yeah, and you, you had him on the show, Robert, but he yeah, contacted he me. Yeah, and we've been in touch back and forth, and he's always emailing me stuff. But he had emailed me, I mean, a huge list of websites, and I went through, you know, five or six of them. But I don't know what it was. When I pulled up Pause I Am, it was so inviting and just so easy to use, and, and I just felt comfortable. You know, and it was just immediate. So that's how I found out was through Nate, you know. And that's why, you know, 
being able to be on Pause I Am has helped me so much, whether it's just events or to write about things that I enjoy, like, you know, physical fitness that have helped me get through struggles in my life or anything, you know, or even just a chit-chat with other people that are going through the same thing, you know, about, and it was because Nate, re, you know, reached out and told me about it. So now anybody that I find out is positive, you know, I might as well just have a billboard on my back. You know, <laughs> I'm like, you know, I'm like, you guys need to check this site out. You know, uh, a friend of mine, his name is Maxie, he just joined. You know, and he sent me a note the other day thanking me, you know, for telling him about the site, and, you know, he just loves it, you know. So I feel like it's almost an obligation now because, you know, Nate turned me on to the site, so now I feel like, you know, I need to, you know, try to do the same and help, that, you know, other people because I know they'll love it just as much as I have. I think that's... That's great. I, I like hearing that, so thank you. It makes me feel like, you know, I'm doing something that's worth me doing. So it's always good to hear feedback from people um, like that. But one of the things that I think that was really great about you is what made you stand out when you joined Brian was that you created the physical fitness group. And then, you know, not only did you create it, but you also, like, post things all the time and, and updated it with stuff and gave a lot of people, like, tips on how to work out again because, you know, after you're getting diagnosed and stuff like that, one of the things we want to do is, we want to look healthy because we don't want to look sick. So we, we right. a lot of people, I notice, jump into working out a lot and trying to build their body up to, to stay healthy. So can you give us some, like, uh, maybe, you know, three tips that you can give us to help us physically fit? Well, yeah, see, I mean, it really, I mean, and for me, I mean, you, you kind of have to learn your own body. Everybody has different body types. You know, some people you know, are just so naturally thin and and lean, it's harder for them to put on muscle mass, you know, even not even putting HIV in the end of the equation. Some people, you know, are stockier. It's harder for them to lose lose the fat and build muscle at the same time. Some people are just naturally muscle builders, you know. They're just, you know, and those are the people that just make me sick, you know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... And that's how, you know, my ex-boyfriend was, you know. And I'm just, he didn't even work out. You know, his idea of eating healthy was going to the Waffle House, you know. Oh, I love him. So, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we used to get in arguments all the time, you know. And I look at a little Debbie cake, and I can just feel my love handles growing. You know what I'm saying? Oh, so, gosh. I love ho-hos. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, you're talking about the little Debbie cakes, right? <laughs> no. <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, you know, so I would say nutrition is the biggest thing because even if you don't have a chance to work out every day or have the workout that you want or whatever, for me, nutrition is probably almost 75% of it because the way that I work and my shift work and everything, if I didn't really watch what I ate or anything, I would probably be 300 pounds, I mean, easy. So I think nutrition is a big part of it, and you have to make it easy because society makes us, makes it easy for us to eat so bad. It's so easy just to drive to McDonald's and say, yeah, you know, give me a burger and some fries, you know, <laughs> and that's it, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, because it's so fast and it's so easy, you know. So you've got to make everything convenient. I just, before I got on here, I was running around in the kitchen because I had chicken in the crock pot, had vegetables all, you know, in in my glad containers and stuff, and I was trying to fix my meals for the week. So you have to make everything easy. You know, take your one or two days off that you have in a week. You know, prepare you, you know, like some meals in glad containers and, like, you put vegetables in there, bake you some chicken or whatever and put them in there and make as many meals as you can and freeze them. So that way, if you are hungry, whether you're at home or you're going to take them to work, or whatever, you know, you can just pop it in the microwave and eat it, and you've got a healthy meal to eat rather than getting something out of the vending machine or running to McDonald's or Dairy Queen or Wendy's or whatever, you know. 
you know, and they do, all those places have healthy choices, but it's never going to be as healthy as if you fix something yourself, you know, because you know what's in it. Right. So I would say nutrition is the biggest thing. Any kind of workout that you can do, whether it be cardio or muscle endurance or anything like that, will probably be, you know, the second thing. And the third thing is just consistency. I'll never forget a couple of years ago, oh, it's probably been longer than that, like 15 years ago I was at the gym working out humongous big bodybuilder dudes in there, right? Everybody keeps looking at him and stuff. Everybody's scared to death to talk to him. So finally I was just like, screw it. So I went up and talked to him, and I was like, man, you know, tell me what I need to do or whatever. He's like, I'm going to tell you. He goes, the main thing is consistency. He says you've got to do it every day. So it's really got to be just a lifestyle, you know, between your eating, working out, and then challenging your body, whether you want to build muscle or lose fat, you know, or, or whatever. Whatever your goal is, you've got to challenge your body, whether it be through cardio, endurance, to try to lose the fat and maintain your muscle mass, or to try to challenge your muscle mass by doing more of what they call anaerobic exercise to challenge your muscles to grow more, you know, and by that, when you do that, your body is going to actually make you hungrier and you're going to want to eat more and healthier and you'll be able to do that because you're working out more. Right. So, you know, it, it all works out, you know, and I'm in no way, I mean, like a Greek God or anything like that. Like I say, it's just something that has been a passion for me ever since I was 13 years old. You know, I've wanted to be the Incredible Hulk, you know, Lou Ferrigno or, you know, or whatever, you know. So it's just been a passion for me. And as I've gone through struggles in my life, you know, dealing, you know, trying to deal with the gay thing and the divorces and maybe situations with my kids and now the HIV thing, the fitness part can really be a a great stress reliever and a getaway because you're not competing against anybody else. You're in there and you're competing against yourself. It doesn't matter what Joe Blow looks like next to you or whatever because you're in there and it's a competition between you and yourself. Only you can make the change and only you can make it better for yourself. Well, that's terrific. I mean, that's it's just, I think all of us need to realize that, right? So, hey, um, everybody listening, um, give us a call It's uh, and, and ask Brian your own question. And the number to call in is 347-215-9442. Um, it is about, a, what was it, 12 minutes? to nine, uh, 10 o'clock, so give us a call and ask Brian a, a question. So, 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 Brian, yeah, the whole issue of, you know, working out, how, how do you get motivated to do it? I mean, because, I, and I'll be honest, and I, I'm speaking for myself, I work about 10 to 11, maybe 12 hours a day, the last thing I want to do is go to the gym. So what what do you do for those folks who who just just are, are so tired by the end well, of the day? I'll be honest because I struggle with the same thing. I mean, it's I work here ever since October. I've been working twelve hours a day, sometimes six and seven days a week. Um, and again, it. You have to work it into your schedule, really. Sometimes, and I mean, I'll just be straight up and be honest with you. There's a product that BSN makes called NO Explode. It's a nitric oxide uh, pre-workout drink. Sometimes, you know, I'll I'll have that about, you know, I'll come home after I get off work, or I might even take it to work with me if I go to the gym straight after work. But sometimes that'll help me get through a workout. But, you know, it's not – if you notice, if you can just stick with a routine, sometimes when you're your tiredest and you're, you feel like it's your weakest or whatever and you think it's the last thing you want to do, 
if you just make yourself go and just do something, just get on the treadmill or just go, you know, if it's a nice day, go for a walk, you know, or, or whatever. You know, if you don't have the energy to do something, and you'd be really surprised because when you think you don't have the energy, and I thought that way too, once you get there and you get that in that environment, those have been my best workouts sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, once you actually get there and get going, but you have to keep a goal in your in your mind of you know what you're trying to achieve, whether it's just um, a physical look or just to try to go and get things off your mind to get that you know release that stress that you're under or, or whatever. But it, the object is just to go and do something every day, you know, if you have to. And that doesn't mean even if you don't stick to your regular routine, just go and do something, you know, walk on the treadmill, you know, whatever, get on the elliptical trainer, you know, take an aerobics class or, you know, something, whatever you want to do, you know. But it, just to keep your body in that consistency, you know, or whatever. But at the same time, you, you've got to rest. You know, if you really feel like that you need to rest and you need a day or two to rest, because I know sometimes I get like that when I'm working the way that I work, then give your body the rest it needs, you know, and then pick up your workout, you know, where you left off. Don't be afraid to give your body rest because that's how you grow. Right. Right. Real quick, Brian, I have a caller here online, so I'm going to bring them on. Caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, this is Michael from, well, right now, Seattle, Washington. Oh, welcome, yeah, Michael. Seattle. Hello, yes. Um, I was just um, calling um, to ask Brian, but I think, well, my, my pause am radio just, like, pooped on me, so um, he might have answered the question. But my big question was um, dealing with, like, the med issue, and um, and I, I, I'm not sure if you're on meds or not. Yeah, I'm on a triple O. Okay, and how did you, like, maintain your energy level while you were on, like, the Atripla and the meds? Because I know for me personally, they, like, and for a lot of people, that they can end up being very exhausting just in general. But um, my big question was, like, how do you maintain keeping up the energy when sometimes it just feels like, I, I guess I, I'm now I'm rambling, but, um, you know, does that make sense? <laughs> I, no, I know exactly what you mean because I'm going to tell you, the first weekend that I was on a triple you'd have thought Alba had been on a drinking binge. I mean, I felt so drunk and so weak and so dizzy. And even still now, I've been on, um, on it since September. And some, like, see, I take it in the mornings because I work third shift. So when I get home, I'll take it. Um, and I still get that dizzy that dizzy and I, that feeling, and I know what you're talking about. What I would do if if I was you, try to think of a point in time in a day where, you know, maybe your meds, not specifically wear off, but say try to think of is there a point in your day where you feel more energetic and you don't have, don't feel as fatigued? Mm-hmm. You know, try to pick that point in the day, say, you know, if you work a first shift job and you take your meds at night before you go to bed, try to do it. I know that uh, Mike, you know, he said he gets up in the morning, tries to work out before he goes to work, you know, or, or whatever. Try to pick a time during the day where you're going to feel like you're going to have the most energy that you can put into your workout instead of waiting until, you're, you know, you're going to have the least amount of energy. Just try to pick the best time of day that you can do it. And like I said, you know, if you just be consistent with it and just build on it, you know, you don't have to be, you know, the the greatest athlete in the world or whatever, but every little bit counts and every little bit adds up. But just try to pick a time in the day, you know, that, that works better for you, you know. Perfect. That would be my best suggestion, you know. That's awesome. Great, great advice. Well, thanks for calling Thank in, Mike. Yeah, not a problem. <laughs> thanks, Michael. And I have another caller here. This person actually was on before the show, uh, before we went live, so I thought they were listening. So I'll go to them first, so I apologize to the caller. Um, caller, Mia, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Hello? Hello? Hello, what's your name? Where are you Hello? calling from? Hi, my name's Danny. I'm calling from Florida. Hey, Danny. Hi, Danny from Florida. How are you? 
Hey, Danny. Um, I'm brand new to your site. I can't even believe I've got the balls to call in here. Can I say balls? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. I don't know. You know, I don't want to get beat or disconnected. Well, you know, anyway, mo- most of us have them. So. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm in the right place. Yeah. I was gonna say. There you go. Now you're. Well. Uh, let's see. Where do you, where do I begin? What would you like to know? Um, I found out. Let's see. Timeline quickly. November 11th of 2008. I was diagnosed November 12th of 2008. I lost my job of six years. Then, okay, I'm still HIV positive. May 23rd, last of 2008, my mother dies suddenly from aortic aneurysm. I get a DUI. I go to rehab. I find out I'm bipolar and that I was self-medicating. And uh, here we are. (laughs) Isn't that a lot to take in? Now do you wonder why I'm a little off? I mean, Jesus, God, can you imagine going through all that shit in a year? So anyway, um, I just want everyone to know that I am undetectable. I kind of have my own diet regime, but it works for me. You know, I I eat a lot of little meals, and a lot of it's crap because I have wasting syndrome, and I need to put on weight. So Twinkies and chocolate milk are my best friends. Oh, I love Twinkies and chocolate milk. Isn't that luscious? It is. Luscious. Absolutely terrific. Thank you. I thank you. I, I totally agree. But the, the kicker is you've got to put the glass in the freezer. Because I'm from northern New York originally, and we had a milkman. I'm just going back. I'm, I'm dating myself. Kind of. <laughs> don't care. I don't give a shit. Do you give a shit? No. <laughs> anyway, the milkman would leave the milk in the milk box while my brother and I were at school. And then when we come home from school... The milk would have be almost frozen. It would be like crystallized. So, therefore, I like my milk really, really cold. Do you have a question for Brian, Danny? Brian, um, yeah. I just want to applaud you for you know doing what you did. You did everything right. You know, you you waited, you, you timed it, you found the exact time to tell everybody, and you know you didn't have a bunch of drama. So, kudos on that. And that's really all I wanted to say. You know, just, you know, keep it up. Keep up the good work. And uh, um, I hope you are healthy and stay healthy. And uh, that's about it. Well, thanks for calling into the show and welcome to the site, Dan. Hey, thank you so much. You guys all have a good night. You too, Danny. Thank you. Okay. So we're down to the last uh, two minutes uh, left in the show, Brian. So uh, thank you so much. Like, this is my favorite part about the show is that we're able to do the show and have guests come on like you, Brian, and like um, Michael, who was on uh, previously, and they don't have to come totally out. You know what I mean? You can come on and don't have some sort of, um, you know, a privacy to who you are necessarily. You know what I mean? Unless you're on the radio show page. But, like, you know, like people don't, like, you don't have to be an activist to come on the radio show and tell your story, and I think that's, like, a really important for people to know. Right. Well, I mean, it's like an evolution for all of us. You know, we're all evolving and, and dealing with it the best way we can. And I just, I just wanted everybody out there to see somebody that's struggling with it just like they probably are. You know, a lot of the guests have started organizations and nonprofit this and, and all that stuff. You know, and I don't have all the answers, you know. I, I'm just dealing with it every day like everybody else is, you know. That's right. Well, Brian, thanks so much for calling into the show and sharing your story with us. Oh, well, thanks, you guys, for having me, and thanks, I hope I Brian. didn't talk to you at all. Got it. We'll see thanks, you on the site, man. All right. Thanks a lot. Remember, thanks. everybody, you guys can find information on Brian and his blog, Behind the Mirror, on the POSIM network, and you can uh, join the social network at www.posim.com. Um, also, me and Jeremy are on Twitter. You guys can look us up. Um, what else was I going to say real quick? Facebook, we're on Facebook, uh, fan page or group, all that good stuff. Next week we have Mark Solowitz on with us. Uh, Jack McInroth will be co-hosting with me, and he is the, pro- the producer of the HIV Story Project, so that should be interesting. And then on the 28th with Jeremy, I'll be speaking with Monique Howe, who is from South Carolina, sharing a woman's point of view on HIV, which is always good. Woohoo! Yeah, I'm excited. Oh, oh. oh there you go. Like- <laughs> there it went. Oh, my God. Right. 
So I want to thank everybody for tuning in um, this week. And remember, we're here every Sunday at 9 o'clock, so you can always tune in and get your dose of hope. Um, And, you know, I appreciate your support, Brock. You can find more information on Jeremy at PositivelySpeaking.com and me at POSIM.com. Have a good night, everyone. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks so much. Bye, Jeremy. Bye.